All right, welcome, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my name is AJ. Uh, I'm a uh, popcorn robot mentor and UCLA instructor. Today, we're going to meet Nolan Duggar. He started out as a salesman. All he knew was he want, but all he knew is he wanted to work in the video game industry. But without a college degree, all he hit was dead ends. So we're going to learn how he broke through those locked doors and got the job of his dreams. Um, just as a reminder, after the interview, we're going to take some questions from the audience. So if you guys have any questions, just think about it, and then we'll come out back to you at the end. All right. So uh, welcome, uh, Nolan. What a right. fantastic uh, intro. Nolan, how are you doing? Good, good. I, I, man, I'm going I'm to try to match that energy of yours. That was awesome. <laughs> Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> All, right. All right. So, you know, I was going to start from the beginning. So I had earlier mentioned that you love video games. So where'd that passion come from? Like what, what made you go like, man, I want to work at a video game industry. Oh man. I mean, my parents, I don't know if they regret it now because I've successfully made it into the gaming industry, but I think for like my majority of my twenties and my high school years, they probably regret getting me a super Nintendo at like age two. Yeah. That's where it all started. Super Mario, you know, all those OG games and then graduated to PC and played a whole bunch of Blizzard games like Starcraft and Diablo and uh, ended up becoming a sponsor World of Warcraft player for a brief while, which I wanted to oh. like try to pursue that as a career, um, but it just it didn't work out. But yeah, that's that's pretty much in a nutshell. What's a sponsored Warcraft World of Warcraft player? I don't oh, even know that. Yeah, so that's something that uh, during high school, like, so back then it wasn't like cool to be a gamer as cool as it is now. So I kind of had like a double life where I had like my friends that I played sports with. And then right. I had my World of Warcraft friends who are still right. some of my best friends. Mm -hmm. um, basically, uh, in World of Warcraft, there's two main things you can do. You can do um, player versus environment PVE, which means that you just right. fight the same bosses over and over. Or right. in my case, PVP, where you play against other players. And so... Right. I had a, a team that uh, we did really well and, uh, you know, consistently got in like the top 1%. And so we were wow. picked up by a company called Skillcap that's still around and they do like educational uh, content for people that want to improve in like World of Warcraft, League of Legends, that type of thing. So mm -hmm. at 15, I was making money just putting up very basic, you know, poorly edited World of Warcraft videos with my squeaky voice. Wow. Telling people how to do certain things. It was hilarious. Wow, that's amazing. So <laughs> what what's your favorite game of all time? Oh man. Well, sentimentally, I'd have to say World of Warcraft, but probably recently I've been playing a lot of Elden Ring. Like I just I mm. have a, after I got into game development a little bit as a hobby, I have a much deeper appreciation for like those big open worlds that just take so right. much coordination, thousands right. of people. Uh, working together to pull that off and it's like yeah. movie quality and yeah. i look back to some of the games i played as a kid like super mario thinking like that was revolutionary at the time it was but you go yeah. look up a game like elden ring just you know 25 years later it's just it's crazy uh, yeah how far we've come yeah and i think that's one of the most amazing things like like i know video games have like a bad reputation but honestly it's such a gateway drug to to people to enter development because a lot of times people play video games and they're like, man, I want to create my own game. I want to be a part of this. Yep. And that's like, it's such a really positive thing. 
Um, yep. I mean, of course, people can ruin their lives playing too much video games, but it really is a gateway drug to move into the, uh, you know, development industry. I say most developers I meet, they all start off as being gamers, you know? That, that's actually how I got started. That's how I found your, your class originally, and that's how I got interested in programming. Yeah. Um, not to skip too far ahead, but uh, that's exactly how it started for me was based on gaming and how do I get into this industry? Right, right. So you didn't have a college degree. Um, what's your story? How come that ha didn't happen? Man, I was too consumed with uh, playing World of Warcraft in my high school years to uh, really care or consider what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I went to college. I went to community college for a few years out of high school because it was just what I was told to do. And that's what everybody else was doing. So I was like, oh, I'll join my friends at PCC. But you know, like after two years there and just kind of getting average C's, um, yeah. I realized I just didn't have any interest in what I was doing. I picked psychology right. as a major because right. I thought it was interesting. But right. I think in terms of finding something that I always had that passion for, like I had to be honest with myself that it was video games. And so um, I didn't pursue like a college degree in anything like game related because I sort of just did what a lot of people do. And I fell into sales, which that's how a lot of people just, Oh, I don't, I don't know what I'm, what I want to do, but I'm good at dealing with people. So let's try this sales thing. And uh, around that time, Wolf of Wall Street came out. So I was like, Oh man, I'm going to make a million dollars. Be Leonardo right, DiCaprio. Right. right. <laughs> so how do you like sales? I mean, so for me, like it was never an issue like talking to people and mm -hmm. presenting product and all that stuff for me mm -hmm. it was more of like i just never had a passion for what i was selling um, right i worked in so many different industries from like i started out selling newspaper subscriptions which was fun you get hung up on the phone people are mean they don't like you calling i don't blame them mm -hmm. um then i moved over to solar and led which i did for a couple of years and then instead of working for a manufacturer I went into uh, distribution where I sold pretty much the same thing, but just for uh, a different company. And then I landed <laughs> my most recent sales job was really at a, a place that sold uh, cell phone mounts to hmm. like B2B customers. And so right. um, just a whole bunch of random stuff that on, on paper doesn't look like it makes any sense, let alone right. translates well into the gaming industry. So then how did that and how did not having a college degree affect your career and what you were able to do? Well, I, I would say that for a majority for the jobs that I was going after sales jobs, it didn't have too much of an effect. But if I was really serious about climbing in the sales industry and moving up to management and taking over teams, I feel like I definitely probably could have hit some roadblocks. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't pursue sales far enough to where I really feel like not having a degree affected me. But I will say that when I started applying for developer jobs, for uh, anything outside of sales, that's when I noticed like the ridiculous expectations that were on some of these job applications. And I think right. uh, not to go off on a tangent, but one of my favorite posts was that someone had created this software, this company, and it had yeah. only been out for two years. And, and he saw a post saying that you must have four years experience with the software. And he's like, Oh, right. well, I only created it two years ago. Yeah. But it shows you how ridiculous it's gotten with the job. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what made it so you've been wanting to go into the video game industry for a long time. So what made it so difficult to break in? I mean, you were really good at getting to jobs. So how come you were hitting that roadblock with the video game industry? Um, I would come to find out in my early 20s that the video game industry has a super high barrier to entry just because of how sought after it is. I feel like right. a lot of people in my age group, millennials, and now the next generation coming up, we all had similar experiences with consoles and PC and, you know, people were now getting to the age where it's like, I want to, I want to get this job. I want to work in this industry and work on some of the games that I played growing up. Right. And so for me, not having a degree, not having any relevant professional experience. I mean, it was just, my resume would go straight into the trash. Like it wouldn't mm. even get a second look. And, yes. you know, I, I spent a couple months in between sales jobs, sometimes specifically going after, low level QA jobs, which at the time, six, seven years ago, were paying like 12 bucks an hour. Or so not even enough to cover wherever I was living at the time. Right. But I realized that like, if I want to get in, I would rather do it, take a pay cut, work my way up. But I found myself not even getting called back for QA jobs. So uh, people that were applying for QA jobs had degrees. That's <laughs> how competitive it was. So what do you think it was that so why is it that none of, it didn't you couldn't break into the to, into the system? Would you feel like it was because you didn't have a college degree? Is that what the big thing was? Is that the barrier? Didn't have a college degree. I didn't have connections that I could call on, and I also didn't have any relevant volunteer or professional history. Um, right. Although I was a sponsor World of Warcraft player, there's a difference between playing a game and you know working for a company that makes them. Right, and so right. for me, the biggest problem was that I just I had nothing going for me. Like I had right. a sales job. I could talk to people. That's great. But it's not like my best friend worked at Blizzard and said, I can hire you tomorrow. So right. it was definitely, uh, you know, I, I had to figure out how to get creative and if I was going to break in. And for me, uh, that was just networking um, and also continuing to level up my education, but not in like the traditional college degree sense. Right, right. Okay. So then um, how did you overcome it? How did you end up breaking into the industry? Man, I guess it starts with, uh, it starts with the job that I had almost four years ago now where I was selling cell phone mounts. And I knew that I had always wanted to break into the gaming industry, but I never took it um, as seriously as I had up until that point. And right. the changing factor for me was that Starting off at the sales job, they had a territory that was doing about 10 grand worth of sales every month. And my job was to grow that territory. And right. over the course of a year and a half, I think consistently by the time I left, that territory was doing about 110 to 120 a month. So huge upgrade, huge contributions. Mm -hmm. um, but the company I worked for was so cheap that uh, I had to share hotels with my boss and not just hotels, usually motels. Um, <laughs> We would travel a lot. We would do trade shows. Um, I was like, look, man, like this, look at everything I've, I've, I've brought to the table. I can't get my own Motel 6 room. Like, right. it was at that point where I was on a trip that I was just like, I'm done with this. I gotta, I gotta get out. And uh, that's when I just did a whole bunch of research online about coding. Um, and my thought was that if I, you know, truly want to do something I love, uh, that would be the way to break in. And so I 
watched a whole bunch of hype videos on YouTube that said I was going to be a programmer in three months and quickly found out that uh, that was all BS. <laughs> and, you know, I think after six months, I completed my first uh, Python tutorial on, I think it was Free Code Camp, um, one of those free websites. And so after that point, I, I was like, okay, well, that took too long and I really want a more targeted approach. And so that's what kind of compelled me to look at meetup groups to see if I could find something that was going on nearby. Mm -hmm. And that's how, that's exactly how I met you. And that's how I got started in your class. Mm. So how did coding change things? So what happened, like once you started knowing how to code, then how did that change the dynamic of your ability to enter the, into the video game industry? Well, it's funny because I think I remember on day one of me being there, I told you, I was like, I want to work in the video game industry. I, I don't mind web development, but it's not particularly my first passion. Right. And uh, how do I get there? And right. we talked. And I think although the full stack course doesn't necessarily translate into the video game industry, the right, way that right. I looked at it was that I would have a good knowledge of how programming works in general. And right. as a fallback plan, um, I would much rather fall back as a web developer than a salesperson because at that right. point I was done with sales. So for me, the push was like, I want to transition careers. Gaming is my first option, but I am willing to kind of do this roundabout path because I saw a lot of value in just uh, in-person classes and, and being able to work with you as mm -hmm. opposed to just going back to college, going through the degree. And I had done enough research at that point too, to where I'd, I had heard some success stories about people without degrees, getting programming jobs, you know, maybe mm -hmm. not necessarily straight at Google out the gate, but enough to get into the industry and build off of it. And mm -hmm. that's where I had always had that um, suspicion about just degrees in general is that for a lot of particular industries, it's not mandatory. Like there are some things like becoming a doctor and, and stuff like that, that I do believe they are. But um, right. for programming specifically and working in tech, um, I felt like if I showed enough technical ability and right. knowledge, and I could combine that with um, enough personality given my sales background that I would have no problem uh, landing a job somewhere. And at that point, I didn't know if it was going to be in gaming or working as a web developer or anything out of sales at that point. So right. uh, that's sort of where it all started. So how did you like coding? And so coding was like a love-hate thing for me. And when I got into <laughs> it, I was like, oh, this is great. Like I'm flying through these modules. And then we yeah. started to get further on where it's like putting all the pieces together. Yeah. And it's still fun. You know what? I didn't even actually think about this until now, but I just picked that Karate Kid song for the intro. And it's so perfect because that's the same metaphor I want to use here where like you were teaching me how to do things like just print or have a simple calculator or like all these different pieces that I worked on for a long time, not right. knowing how they all work together. And then right. finally, you're like, okay, I want you to go off and I want you to build a mock-up version of Reddit all by yourself. And right. uh, I like, you know, not to say that it wasn't challenging. It wasn't the most challenging thing I did in the class, but like all that stuff that uh, Mr. Miyagi taught me came back with, <laughs> oh, this is how I do this. This is how I do that. And uh, yeah, yeah. it was really cool to see it all come together. So my definition of coding is that it was very learning intensive, especially not having a traditional background, but um, it was very rewarding. It, it was one of those things that like, once you figured it out and once you got it to work, 
uh, without any bugs. It was just a great feeling. Right, right. Working on software. So why did you choose to learn in a class? Like, why didn't you just keep learning on your own? Because you did that for a while. Like, what were, what were the obstacles you were running into where you're like, you know what, I need to get more help? I think for me, it's it's maybe the same reason why a lot of people would hire a personal trainer is not necessarily that you don't know how to do something or you can't figure out how to get in shape, for example. Right. It's more of just like, when you commit to something, you've put money behind it. You right. also decided this is a path I'm going to do. Right. Um, it holds you accountable. And, and for me, it was all about, um, it was all about accountability and making sure that I couldn't just get lazy and say, Oh, I'm going to skip coding today or, you know, I'm going to stop doing this. And also it really helped to have a plan as well as uh, people I could interact with instead of just staring at stack overflow posts, over and over um, mm -hmm. it when you're coming in with like no knowledge it's it's really difficult um right i actually started with with c sharp off of a free course i found online and just realized that was a terrible idea because i had no idea what coding was yeah. and i was just copy and pasting lines of code and i had no idea how to even break it down into question form to ask google right um, so that's that's definitely uh, one of those ancillary benefits is just your technical knowledge of how to find answers right. for me um, grew exponentially to the point where I'm working on stuff now that I've never had direct experience with, but I have enough problem solving capabilities uh, mm -hmm. that I really have to kind of think coding for that really helped me uh, just formulate really smart questions and, and find answers. Right. Right. So then tell us about what the first, video game job you got like so what happened where you're usually every interview didn't work or you don't even know you didn't even get into interviews right were you just getting your resume to attract yeah. and then what changed over where you're like all of a sudden you're breaking through you're getting interviews and then what happened eventually to you getting a job what's that story yeah so it was at two companies ago where I was working at that mounting company and uh, I was still in your class and that project was um, pretty much our first big project of, mm -hmm. Hey, we want you to get a mock-up version of Reddit. And right. my thought was like, you know what? Th oh, by the way, like for context too, this was like maybe uh, two months after COVID like started. Right. And so the economy was terrible and I think I remember even consulting you on this, but I said, yeah. like, I'm going to quit my job. I have yeah. enough saved up right now and I'm going to yeah. go full in on, on making this a reality. And so I right. took a very risky move, which I wouldn't recommend. But um, for me, I had, I just had enough of sales and I really wanted to focus on getting that project up so that I could show somebody. And, and really what I've learned, like just applying to places is really just having something to point to as a right. reference that lends right. you some sort of credibility. Right. And for me, it started not necessarily with gaming, but a lot of like web developer uh, job interviews that I got on just by networking on LinkedIn. Um, I have a whole approach that we could talk for hours on on that. Yeah. It's probably better for a separate call, but um, networking with people, uh, being persistent and then just tracking my progress. Like I, I did a lot of A-B testing with my resume to see like what format works better and, and right. how do I not get my resume thrown in the trash? And there's automated software that scans your resume to look for keywords. So let's look at the job description that they're hiring for and maybe reverse engineer some of those words into your resume so you don't get auto-rejected. Like right. there's a whole bunch of stuff. The, 
basically that led to me going on a couple of interviews for web development positions in particular, um, getting to some final stages, but not getting an official offer. And I was at the point where I needed to take a job and I had found a job in the gaming industry for account management, which was still in line with sales, but it was kind of my way in by using my expertise. But the only reason I got that job was because of, uh, that website that I hosted, which I showed on the interview, as well as some of the development that I learned myself, uh, because that actually helped catapult me into learning game development on my own with my cousin, which we did for a couple of years. And so by the time I interviewed, I had like a website that I coded from scratch. I had uh, an unfinished game, but I had enough technical ability to be able to show like, hey, I I programmed this. This is all self-taught. Wow. And I have the sales background. So that's, wow. you know, that's, that's sort of where I was coming from. And how did that lead to the job you have today? Yeah, well, unfortunately, it wasn't like that happy ever after when I got that first job in the gaming industry. They had hired mm-hmm. me at a time where they were pivoting their entire business model. And they were doing art as a service for the gaming industry. And then they said, well, we're going to stop that. We're going to drop 90% of our current clients. And we're going to pivot into the NFT market. Hmm. So they totally switched. The job that I was hired on for was quickly becoming unavailable because I was letting my clients know like, Hey, after this last round, um, you know, that's, that's pretty much it for our relationship and we can recommend you. So I saw the writing on the wall. Um, but eventually ended up with me getting laid off, uh, to, I wouldn't say no fault of my own, but I'd say I, I don't take, a huge ownership and getting laid off from that. It's just kind of yeah. unfortunate things that happen. Right. Um, and it was right. only about four months that I was there. Right. Um, so when I was looking for a new job that, uh, you know, again, I, in addition to continuing to work on some of the stuff that I was working on with my cousin inside of unity and building out more games. Um, I also put together like a quick portfolio website to show everything I had done up until that point just to make it super easy for anybody that was interested in potentially hiring me to just click on it and say, Oh, okay. That's what he does. Yeah. The funny story about that is a company I currently work at now, super league gaming. I went through four rounds of interviews and three out of the four people thought I was a developer. They didn't even know I had a sales background. Wow. So that just sort of lends credence to the fact that it doesn't really necessarily matter what you do or what your experience is like for all intents and purposes, I could have driven a UPS truck, but I was on the call answering questions intelligently and that's all they needed to hear. And so my experience, like my boss told me two weeks after I got hired, like I I knew you worked in sales, but I didn't know you never worked as a professional developer. And I was like, Oh, it's just, you know, maybe take a better look at the resume there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's because that's how I formatted it too, though. That was right. like one of my tricks is like, uh, how do I let people know that I want to transition into development, but it hasn't been something I've done professionally. Right. And so my strategy is like, usually for a resume, you have your work history up top with your projects on the bottom, but I decided right. to flip the format and put right. all of my, all of my skills that would be pertinent to a development job up at the right. top and I put my work history at the bottom. But right. everybody thought, cause nobody takes the time to fully read a resume. Everybody thought I was a developer. Right. Um, so, you know, that came after a lot of just persistent job applications and uh, following up 
and really just had enough uh, showmanship in the interview as well as the ability to answer some of these questions that they had about uh, how would I handle certain situations. Um, I had just had enough experience at that point, like going through a whole bunch of interviews and um, figuring out the right way to interview that right. by that time, it really wouldn't have mattered what I did for a living. I, I pretty much already had it. Right. And so that's, that's how, that's what led me into here, which um, fortunately for me, my, my biggest concern was that I could get into the gaming industry, but couldn't transition out of sales. Right. But this role is project management. So it's my first step away from almost a decade long uh, career in sales, which has been great because that's been right. the main thing I've been concerned about is how do I get away from sales? How do I get away from the ups and downs with commission checks and right. um, my income being tied to when a project closes? Like I just, I wanted to be done with that. And I wanted to right. work on something where I could show up, enjoy what I was doing. Um, and that sort of just led me into project management. So when you're hitting the roadblocks, basically to sum it up. So when you're hitting the roadblocks, what was happening is that you couldn't break in because you didn't have the te relevant technical experience. So then once you had the technical experience and then you kind of created your own games on your own time and had your own projects, then you were able to showcase that, put it on your resume, uh, showcase it to your, your interviews, and that kind of convinced them to take a chance on you. And even actually, they didn't even realize they were taking a chance on somebody who had never worked in the industry as a developer because you have such much technical experience that when you're answering the questions intelligently, they don't even they can't even tell the difference between someone who's a developer and somebody who's a salesman by uh, by career. Exactly. I mean, and and to give you uh, like a full circle on that whole thing, I've been in my company now for uh, close to four months, and the most technical thing that I've done is I've gone inside of Roblox and I've captured some images. Um, hmm. And I've spoken with uh, some developers that actually build out our levels for clients. Right. Um, but that background allows me to talk to them uh, seamlessly, like they're talking to another developer. And I can get a much better idea and handle on a project because uh, I've done some of that, you know, as like a passion project in, in your right. class. And so, um, yeah, that, that, that's kind of just like the message that I wanted to drive home is that like, even though there were roadblocks for me, I just, I figured out what my strengths were. And that was just my ability to talk to people, build rapport, um, handle rejection, which is a big thing, obviously, when you're applying for a job, especially right. at a company that you want to work for, yeah. um, as well as just having that persistence. And, you know, I attribute like a, a lot of that to sales, but I do think it is something that can be uh, improved upon for anybody. Right. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize. So, a lot of people, when they're trying to, you know, they have a goal in mind and they're trying to get there. The hard part is that um, every single one of us has a strength that nobody can duplicate. And yours right. was in sales. And um, I think that's what makes it difficult to kind of give you the answer, the formula, because you can't do things that I can do and vice versa. I can't do what you can do. And, you know, I think one of the things is to be able to assess your abilities and try to, you know, even take an inventory of it and make use of it to get into the system, even if you don't have the, spe you know, specific answer. But uh, yeah, it's really amazing how you're able to penetrate the the industry, even though it wasn't, you know, very open to you. Like, yeah, but, the, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say that you hit the, the nail on the head there is that that's pretty much just 
what I wanted to scream from the mountaintops every time somebody asked me for advice or questions about their career is that like, really like find out what your own strengths are. If you're not a salesperson and you're more, uh, you're better with data, you're better with numbers, you're better with Excel sheets. Like you could get really intricate with your level of detail of tracking, right? Which sites are you applying on? Which resumes are you sending? What are you, what are your cover letters? Like there's so many different metrics that you can track that are within your control to where you can say at the end of the day, it spits out one number. This resume with this cover letter is 10% effective. And you can really just, you could do whatever, uh, you could do whatever plays to your strength. You could you right. know, really get creative with it. And what is interesting too, is that even though you're really good at sales and getting, you know, you've mastered the, I think the interview process. Um, the thing is that one still barrier that you needed to overcome was still to get that technical experience that made the difference that kind of push you over the edge to get to that point. And so it's really interesting that even though you have this huge ability um, you still had a require a minimum requirement threshold to reach before you could break in. Right. And I, I hated hearing that because I, uh, that's, that's one of the self, one of the things I've always prided myself on is like, I'm going to find a way through and everyone else is telling me that there isn't a way through, right. but I, even I had to take a step back and realize like there are limitations to this thing. And you could be right. the most personable person in the world with the most, you know, the best follow-up practices, the best networking tactics, Right. But at the end of the day, if you can't convince somebody who is ultimately going to have to take a chance on you, um, why they should convince their boss on why they should hire you, um, then no amount of personality is going to be able to compensate for that. So if you could do it all again, what would you do differently? Man, straight out of high school, I, I would have... Uh, me personally, I probably would have just focused on the things that I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so um, what's funny is that this whole time, like we live in, in a time where you could Google and you can YouTube tutorials on anything. You can learn how to play guitar at home without ever meeting anybody. Like there's so many resources that are available to you. But right. I think for me in particular, I realized like I would start things, but I, I usually wouldn't see them through. And if I did, um, I would lag on it. I would procrastinate. Right. I'm, I'm a gamer. I would find video games to play. I'd be like, oh, I don't need to do all that, all their adult responsibility stuff, like, you know, bettering myself. Right. So I think for me, it was really about just uh, what's something that is going to get me to the next level in my career. And for me personally, like it was your class because yeah. it was that consistency to look forward to Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays, which yeah. even if I did no other coding throughout the week, at least I could right. point to that and say I did, you know, six to nine hours in class. Yeah. And it's just, it's something that's built off of itself over time. Yeah. And uh, the funny part is we joke about this all the time, but I didn't directly get a job as a web developer, but right. your class was directly responsible for getting me not only into the gaming industry, but getting me to a place that I, I love what I do. It's, it's weird. It's a weird, it's a weird feeling that I haven't felt in, you know, the 10 plus years that I've been working since I was 20, but um, it's weird, but it's, it's, it's exciting. It's, it feels like I'm just kind of starting my career. And so I guess if I had to go back and do it again, I guess I just would have started earlier. Yeah, it's really interesting because um, there's some psychological thing to it where once you pay for something, you feel like you have to make use of it. It's kind of like why people go paid to go to the gym. 
They yeah. can all just buy weights and never go to the gym. But having that feeling like I, I'm invested in this, I got to be a part of it, it really kind of focuses your mind. It's a really strange thing. I, I don't really understand it myself, but it's definitely something there where once if you have a hard time like keeping motivated or disciplined, invest yourself in a program because for some reason, once you have a stake in it, then you're, you know, you take it, you take it a lot more seriously for some reason. It's really strange. Yeah. I mean, it's, I like the analogy of feeling like a gazelle where gazelles will usually just graze most of the time and just be super relaxed and chill. But if a lion shows up, like those things run, you know, know, 60 miles an hour, super fast. So they can hustle. They just choose not to, unless motivated by external factors. And for me, the external factor was like, let me find a program and get consistent with it. Right, right. So now that you're in the, in the industry, what's it like to work in that industry? And it's awesome. Um, you know, one of the big things that I could never really understand when I would hear my girlfriend talk about is uh, how important it is to be valued mm-hmm. at your company and also have your input matter. For me, I just I was like, oh, okay, you know, that would be nice if I had it. But it was never something that like I looked for in a company. It was just like, what am I getting paid? What's the longevity look like here? Is the culture good? That's great. But to be at a place where like from week one, I, w- I was getting people that were telling me I was doing a good job. And I was like, I- I've been here a week. And like mm. that, that is like consistently happened throughout the months that I've been here is people from different teams telling me that they're just thankful I'm here. It's been, it's been crazy, but they feel like, you know, they have, more time to handle things because I've been doing well. And so for me, um, obviously like working in the gaming industry, everyone wants the work-life balance. For me, it's been uh, very hectic the last couple of weeks, probably averaging more like 60, 70 hour work weeks. But, but it's also a weird feeling to where like before, if I was working another sales job, if I had to work even a millisecond over 40 hours a week, yeah. I was already thinking about all the video games I could be playing. Yeah. Like for this job, it's like, oh man, like I, I need to get this done. I want to get this done before yeah. I do yeah. anything else because I have other people relying on me and I have people um, who I respect and who respect me. And it's a totally different uh, work environment. So it's, it's awesome to say the least. Man, yeah. It's awesome. Man, doing doing what you like and having a good job is so different to, than than hating your job. It's it's massively different. Your whole life goes from like clouds to sunny days. It's really strange how how what how because you're spending like 60, 40, 40 hours a week on it. You know, sixty hours a week for you. But man, you you're doing it on something you hate. Oh God, it's awful. Yeah. And it's just a totally different feeling. Like when I started on and I got into a project management position, like even though I'm not directly responsible for managing other people, project management in itself is inherently uh, managing people. And so giving direction, giving orders. And so I found myself literally three weeks into a company in a role that I've never had before. Um, leading calls with clients, like with like this level of confidence, it was just, it was weird because it was almost like somebody more qualified was like speaking through me. And I just like, I mm. like hung up the call and I'm like, wow, that was me. I actually sound pretty good. And like, wow. my girlfriend was like, yeah, I heard one of your calls. She's like, actually sounds like, you know what you're talking about. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. The lie. Like, <laughs> I, you know, like, and, and not to like, 
let that go to your head or anything, but I think it's just kind of a testament on the journey and what it took to get here. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much time we have, but like going into my past of trying to get into the gaming industry wasn't just like a few applications here. It was like years of messaging people on LinkedIn, always tracking new opportunities, calling mm -hmm. people, following up with those people who I talked to six months prior who said, check in with me on this date. Like I would set reminders. I had an Excel spreadsheet that said, this is who you talked to last time. This is what you talked about. Cause there's nothing greater than like talking to someone who you is really just an acquaintance, right. but you talk to him three months down the road and you remember something specific. Like right. there's no better way to build rapport than be like, Oh yeah. You told me last time you just bought your son a bike. How's that going? And it's just boom right there. That person like went from acquaintance to like, I'm going to do whatever I can to pass your resume along internally right. at riot games. Right. And like, that was my story, which I, I interviewed at riot. Um, and I got through five rounds of interviews, which I think in itself was a crazy accomplishment because right. I have friends that have comp sci degrees that have yeah. uh, relevant work experience doing right. exactly what they're applying for. And I applied for this role with just sales experience. I didn't even have any programming uh, like material to show them at the time. So it was just sales yeah. experience. But yeah. I didn't obviously ultimately get the job, but I felt a lot of pride and I knew I was on to something when I could get right. to the last stage interview right. at a big company like Riot with no experience. So I was like, right. okay, I have the approach down. Now I just need some sort of technical skills to, to back it up. Awesome. So what are some surprising things you've learned working on the video game industry from the inside? What's the insider info, the insider scandalous gossip? Man, so I won't name drop any clients, but some clients we work with, I have to ask myself, like, how is this person working at this big company? You know, one of the fan companies that you're just like, is so sought after. You hear about it all the time. And then you deal with these people and it's just like, this guy's, this guy's an incompetent idiot. Is he even yeah. know what he's doing? I, so not to go too much into detail, but I had a project where like originally I wasn't supposed to travel for it, but we were having such a tough time wrangling people from their team and delegating responsibility to the point where I, from my company was delegating what their team should do because there were all these wow. inner office politics. Nobody wanted yeah. to take ownership. And so eventually they flew me out to New York and just said like, you're going to be the point person on site wow. and just take, take control. Wow. And I did, but uh, that that's probably one of the bigger surprises is that the people that work, even at some of these bigger prestigious companies, not everybody is a rock star right. uh, that deserves it. Some people right. can fall into it, whether it be connections, whether it be luck, whether it be just how they look on paper. Right. Um, but as far as like performing the day-to-day -day responsibilities, I haven't been asked to do anything that I've ever felt is way beyond my scope. It's all right. just been, I don't have the experience yet but I'm going to get the experience of the job, which right. anywhere you apply to that says that you need to come ready to add value from day one is just, it's, it's a complete falsity. Um, yeah. Everywhere you go, there's ramp up time before right. you can add value and I right. don't care where you're at. And so right. um, I think this has probably been the biggest surprise though. All right. So last question for me, um, what is your recommendation for people who want to work in the video game industry, but with no college degree or technical experience? Like what's your, what's your, what, what would you tell them? So I would first say that I would do 
research on what you specifically want to do in the gaming industry. And it took a while to figure out how the roles were broken up. And it really mm -hmm. depends on the company as well. Sometimes you'll have developers that are also leading the creative design for the game if the company's small enough. Mm -hmm. uh, other times you might have big companies where you're like siloed off and your whole job is when the player presses play on the client, we want to make sure that it gets them into a lobby and they can connect with their friends. And maybe that's right. your entire job. Right. So I would say clarify what you want to do. What interests you about the gaming industry? Is it, do you like to play video games? Maybe you should check out QA. Do you like right. to design video games? Maybe, mm. you know, if you're more creative, you should look at a design role. Do you like to program and, and troubleshoot and, and problem solve. And, um, you know, then it sounds like programming is more for you. So mm. I think the first step is clarifying what you want to do. Second right. step would be connect with people on LinkedIn. And I, I can't say this enough, but it's been the biggest free tool for just connecting with people. And I'll, right. I'll, I'm not even embarrassed to admit it, but when I was on LinkedIn, I had maybe 50 connections. All of them were in sales industries. None of them were at gaming companies. Mm -hmm. And I did what is probably against the LinkedIn terms of service where I just looked up random gaming company. I was like, oh, that guy has a cool title, add. Oh, that girl has a job that I think I'd like to do, add. And I just, right. I added, I added a whole bunch of people. Right. People I didn't know. And I would send creative messages based on um, what I was doing, what I was looking for, maybe something about their profile, just in right. a way to just, hey, I'm interested in what you do. Could you tell me a little bit more? I'm considering uh, a career change. And right. for the gaming industry in particular, you'd be surprised at how much people would be willing to open up about that. Right. And I think that's mainly due to they love their job and people that right. work in gaming are down to earth and approachable. And yeah. uh, I, I, over the course of all the applications I put out, I had a lot of different companies where I just made connections and I had them, you know, either send me job postings that weren't on the website yet, which you'd be surprised a lot of positions get filled that way internally before it's even posted to somewhere mm -hmm. like LinkedIn mm -hmm. um, or just able to redirect me to who I should talk to. And then I would figure out who do I talk to for this position and connect with them. And mm -hmm. I tracked it all in an Excel spreadsheet, which maybe you don't need to get that fancy and detailed, but right. I think it was a, a good tool just to figure out what I had done, who I had talked to, what was next, and uh, and then create a game plan from there. But uh, that would be, I guess, the second step after you figure out what you want to do is you should connect with people that are doing it. And then the third right. step is once you have that approach down, uh, you should really just figure out a resource, whether it be, you know, like AJ's class for me in particular worked really well. If it's right. self-study and you're not sure if you're right. interested yet, um, doing some research online and uh, really just being open to learning, um, I think is probably the best advice I could give. That's really good. That's super, super smart. So three steps. It's first, understand the industry, know what you want kind of reach out to the people who are in the industry. And, and actually, you could probably get a lot of information to what you want to do and how, how to make yourself attractive. And then number three, uh, basically create your prototypes, create your stuff so that you have something to show off in, a, in the interview process. That's really smart. That is really targeted. And it kind of gives you exactly what you want. That's really smart. Really yeah, cool. and I, I don't want to go on a huge rant and tangent about the job application 
process because I could forever. But yeah. one of the biggest things that I will harp on is that a lot of the times with people writing these descriptions, it's really more of a wish list. Right. Um, right. Oftentimes they will interview people that maybe only have one or two of the requirements, but at the end of the day, that may be the only thing you're really doing. And maybe the other right. things would be nice to have. Right. Um, and all of those, uh, you know, to get past all of that red tape, you can't just go with the approach of I'm going to apply. If I hear back, great. If not, forget about it. Like right. there's so much opportunity that's left on the table by people that could just simply make a note to follow up in a week or two. I mean, right. all the information is available. And I think LinkedIn is the best tool because when you apply for jobs on LinkedIn, 95% of the time, it'll show you who is directly responsible for hiring for that role. Right. And, and think about how that sets you apart. There's, there's hardly anybody out there that is willing to go the extra mile to say, I've researched the company. I've crafted a cover letter that includes some notes that I think resonates well with your mission statement. Right. And on top of that, I've researched a little bit about your background and your industry, and I've incorporated some of those key words into my resume. And right. now you come to the table and you can have a conversation and, it just looks so much better than uh, right. if I get in, I get in. That's that's a terrible strategy. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I would love to talk to you more about that. But um, does anyone have any questions that they want to share? Uh, I want to open up to people. I don't want to take up the whole time. I thought you were not going to give us at least 10, five minutes. I know. Sorry. He, he has some really sorry good Sorry about answers. that. I went, I went on. I ramble. All right. Go ahead. What's your question? No, I'll let people ask questions because I have a few, but okay. I want to take up Nolan's time. Sherry Jindo, is that you, Jindo? Um, Rich, do you guys have any questions? Sam, do you have any questions? Not so far. But um, I, I mean, yeah, so I'm good. Go ahead, man. Okay, yeah. Whoever wants to go first, Rich, do you have a question? No, no, I was saying I'm good. I have no questions so far. Okay. Uh, Jindo, did you have a question? No, but uh, it's so interesting. I mean, I I, I want to connect it with uh, with Nona, right? Yeah. Nona. Okay. Well, bring him into class so he can kind of give us give you um even more one on one uh, talk if you want. Yeah, maybe in the future. Yeah. All right. Cool. Sherry, I'm also gonna drop my LinkedIn in uh, chat if you want to add me. Um, message me anytime if there's something you're interested on. Hey, this is an opportunity that I'm interested in applying for. How would you go about doing it? I'll totally take time to to help you out with that. So, anybody here, just uh, message me anytime. Okay. Um, let me ask Sherry's question. She said. Um, uh, will you tell us more about the game industry? What languages are you using? What are you guys looking for in terms of candidates? Like what makes you guys, what makes someone attractive to the video game industry in terms of being hired? And uh... Yeah, so my, my specific team in project management, I'm not hard coding any of the games that we're using, but I know that a lot of our developers are using the same language that uh, is built off of... Uh, in the, in the Minecraft and Roblox world, because those are the two big games that we do uh, customize levels in for big companies. Mm -hmm. And so that would just go along with, uh, you know, C++, I think is, is one of the core languages. C Sharp is always useful that I use sometimes when I'm, you know, programming um, mm -hmm. for myself. Um, and, you know, really, I wouldn't recommend starting with either of those if you don't have a coding mm -hmm background though for me 
Um, I tried that and it was just impossible to understand. It was very complicated. Those languages are not intuitive and really mm -hmm. shouldn't be a starter language. So mm -hmm. I would say like first time coming in, no coding background, you're interested about it. Python is hands down the best language just because it's one of those things that you could look at it with almost no coding knowledge and say, oh, I could well, kind of understand how that works. Right. Um, right. So I would say get a base level understanding of Python. Um, and again, as far as like what they're looking for when they hire people, I think people that are uh, really easy to work with and are able to take constructive criticism and also people that are able to convey their ideas in a way that is personable um, when they're having to talk with other teams because developers in particular get a bad rap sometimes about being yeah. tough to work with. They have an yeah. ego. So if you can be that developer that comes in and you're easy to work with and you're fun and you get stuff done and you're competent, you're going to, you're going to be way above anybody else. Yeah. That's really good advice. Pink cashmere. Do you have a question? I do have a question too. Well, I have three, but it's okay. I don't have enough time to ask all those questions. So question one, for people that are not in gaming industry, uh, what do you recommend uh, for them to do? So they are, so earlier you mentioned that your boss did not realize that you actually also have salesman uh, background. Mm -hmm. So people that are coming as a coder, um, not in gaming industry, what do you recommend them to 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 apply for a job like I hear a lot of coders that all they do is coding but they they are having a hard time finding a job so what do you recommend should they do something other than coding like for example I like real estate so should I be going into a real estate uh, industry because that's what my passion is what is your recommendation on that well I would say if uh... First of all, my, my number one uh, rule is just kind of following what you're passionate about, whether that be coding or real estate or gaming. So if you can find a skill set and a job that you like to do in the industry that you like to be in, then that's a perfect match. Um, how do you go about getting there, especially for coders that have trouble? Um, I would say that number one, make sure that you have something that is what you could be considered as client facing. And even though it's not showing, you're not showing it to any clients, you need to have a page that if you were to present it to somebody, they would give you money to develop something. So basically the goal of the programmer, in addition to being really good at programming is how do I showcase what I've done in a way that is easy for people to click on like a portfolio website? And how do they understand right away that, this is what I do, this is what I've made, and this is my experience. And so making that really clear so that somebody looking at your LinkedIn profile doesn't automatically see, oh, he applied for a coding job, but he has sales experience, so deny. Like you have to do something that stands out. And for me on my resume in particular, uh, that's where I flipped the format. And I put all of my coding experience that I did uh, in AJ's class and in my personal time up on the top. So that's the first thing people are reading. And that worked extremely well when I was going for jobs that were more uh, coding related and technical related. Would you be able to show us that resume? Yeah, you had to have it up on my new computer. Let me that's see. That's actually really cool to see. Yeah, I have uh, quite a few here. 
see. I want to see the one that got you interviews, even though you had never worked in the industry before. Because sure. that first penetrate the the first one that penetrates through is very difficult. Sure. So this is my screen, and right now you can tell I haven't uh, updated it in a while because this is resume 2021. But That's great. I, That's I've had. Uh, business development resumes, which this is where I would apply for any kind of uh, specific roles in the, in you know, the sales industry. Right. And so right here, you know, I still have my GitHub. I still have uh, the Ask It project I work on with my game and my contact. But up at the mm. top, this is my experience. And then down here, like, let's be honest, no one is going to make it to this part of your resume if the first right. thing they see is, oh, business development manager. Right. So. I had to change my approach when I started getting into game development. And that's when I used a different approach where I put my right. projects up the top. I right. mean, this looks like a legit game developer if you didn't right. know any better. Right. Um, the only difference is that it says projects instead of experience, but right. this is all accurate. I made this game with my cousin, just us two. We figured out how to market it. We figured right. out how to launch it on the iOS store. We coded it using C sharp and nice. a visual scripting language. Nice. Um, this is another game we worked on and an unannounced title, which, uh, you know, just looks better. It's one of those things that we didn't have a name for it, but we figured like, you know what? Unannounced title yeah. sounds really cool and official. Like we have, you know, some sort of uh, schedule that we're keeping here. And so a right. lot of it was really about that. Um, right. You know, the resume, how do I get to it? Um, another thing was this website that, uh, I shouldn't even show you that this was made in Wix because that's blasphemy coming from AJ's class. But no I way, so I use busy. Wix, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was so busy that I was like, you know what? I need to put together something. Yeah. Um, and this is just very simple Los Angeles based yeah. cross platform game developer. I mean, this is all lingo that I took from just stuff yeah. that I researched online of how to make it sound good. And yeah. this is, you know, my latest work that links to the store. Um, my portfolio along with what I did on the projects. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, showing some of the scripting that we did for player movement. I mean, wow. all of this would lead somebody and then unannounced title. Ooh, it's mysterious, even though it's just yeah. me and my cousin Blake, you know? So that's, uh, that's what I would recommend. I say you definitely have to have something to point people to, to say, this is what I do. Um, even if you don't have a lot to show, it is helpful to just, uh, make things and be consistent with it. And you have to get to a good base to where um, you can figure out what's right for you. And for me, it was a lot of trial and error. Um, when I just had my website up with, um, you know, the website that I made, I, I really didn't get too much uh, feedback on my resume. I did get a couple of interviews, but I had way more success when I combined that with this portfolio website and a new resume. Um, and again, not to go too much into it, but you could also, uh, I would write customized uh, cover letters for everywhere that I applied to. And so that takes some time, but it is definitely worth it. Those images you have on that website, uh, on your portfolio, are those yours? Or are they, the, the, yeah. are they so, all for your games? Yeah, this is taken directly from our home screen that we designed. We designed the graphics oh, for beautiful. it. Um, we designed this level. Um, wow. We yeah, took perfect. this clip straight from it. We're like, this is the, the visual scripting plugin that we use. And like all right. of this goes into just having this AI move by himself and then attack the player. And That's that great. wouldn't have even been remotely possible uh, without a coding knowledge, uh, coding base knowledge. And right. it's, 
you wonder how web development translates. And even though, you know, I'm not writing anything specifically in Python, all of that experience helped me figure out all the trial and error that went into just this one script. And right. there are multiple scripts. And so right. um, I would say if you're interested in coding and gaming, you really have to have uh, a love for, for problem solving. Right. Okay, we'll take two more questions and it will be uh, called a night. Um, Sherry asked, what did you use to design the visuals? Uh, so we used a lot of programs. I mean, some of them we used, uh, let's see, Blender was probably the main one for animations. Um, and that was a free program that we downloaded. Uh, the game engine that we designed that in is Unity, which is free to download as well. Um, and as far as designing the visuals themselves, a lot of them were either asset packs that we bought online inside of the Unity store because my cousin and I are not artistic. And that was our one downfall is that we're not good at right. creating art and designing. So uh, a lot of our stuff was really sourced through assets that you can get for really cheap. Um, wow, I want to say in combined to launch our mobile game cost about 60 to 70 dollars um, wow. with probably only about 20 bucks being spent on in-game assets and the rest being spent on uh licensing fees to launch on google um the android store so hmm. really just a lot of free tools at your disposal you really just have to get in there and look at uh what you need but there are so many tutorials on youtube now that uh if you want to learn it you can okay and steamy did you have a last question Yes, I do. So you always be me at the Who's the Murder Games. Um, what is your secret? What is my secret? Yeah, because I always figure out the wrong murder. It's oh, always man. you. I don't know. I think uh, at first you accuse me, and then uh, instead of just flat out denying it like somebody who is guilty would, I think I try to ask you, uh, some questions like you would do in sales, like you gather some information. Well, why do you think it's me? Are you sure about that? Well, what about him over there? And I start to instill doubt over time to where <laughs> now you're accusing somebody else that wasn't me and uh, I'm right behind you and it was all your idea, right? So that's, that's where the genius is. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I think I'll right. jump in there myself, <laughs> pretty much. Okay. Uh, I wanted to answer Sherry's question in chat, but yeah. for licensing, that's specifically for um, launching on the Google Play Store and launching on the Apple iOS Store. So mm -hmm. I know off the top of my head for uh, to be an iOS developer, if you want to launch a game on the platform, um, it's $99 a year and you have to have a Mac in order to uh, port that over, which is why I haven't had it on the iOS because I haven't had a Mac until recently. So um, if you wanted to launch something on Google Play Store, I'm not sure. I think it was about uh, 40 to $50 annually. Cool. But that's just, those are just some numbers to, uh, to get you started. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, when it comes to launching a game, but uh, those should give you some good numbers. You want to give us your uh, portfolio and your LinkedIn link uh, onto the chat in case people want to take a look? Sure. My uh, my LinkedIn profile is here, and 
Um, pretty much all my stuff for my portfolio should be on my LinkedIn page. So my video game portfolio, um, the project I did in AJ's class, which is called Ask It, um, that's right there under the, the featured part of my profile. Okay, um, and then you can just see my experience as a whole. I, I could go into depth about uh, LinkedIn and how to use it, but that's probably uh, probably an hour-long meetup conversation for another time. Sounds good. The Ask It project. It's like a replication of Reddit. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's a smaller version of Reddit where you're doing uh, very much the same stuff of uh, users can post users can upvote the post. Um, so there's a, it's a very tricky project, but I felt like after I was done with it, it was complex enough for me to be able to say, mm -hmm. Hey, this is what I have been working on and this is self-taught. And that that's the main thing that I really mm -hmm. love to point out is I think Sherry asked what people are looking for. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure it's consistent with other industries, but in the gaming industry, people love to see a passion and they love to see people uh, persevere and say mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to let this roadblock of not having a degree stop me. And so mm -hmm. if you can take one thing away, I would just say that study what you're interested in, um, show it to somebody, prove that you're knowledgeable enough to, to get a job. And it's that simple. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of times you should have hobby projects that really just shows your passion and interest for it. I mean, just compared to candidates, you have one candidate, who's only doing what was required. And the other one was like, oh man, can I show you this game I created on my own? Like the, it just looks completely different. Um, passion really goes across. And if you love what you do, more likely that you're gonna, they're gonna wanna work with you. Uh, but why don't you tell us how, well, how, how that game sound, Striga? Striga, yeah. So that, that nice. concept came up with from my cousin. He was watching a lot of uh, uh, Supernatural, that show that's been on forever. And there's a, a creature in there called Striga, which is supposed to kidnap children and steal their souls. And so we nice. decided to base our very first game on that, where you're going around a haunted mansion, you're fighting these demonic entities and uh, your kids have been kidnapped. And so your quest is to get your kids back alive and make it out of the mansion. So that's a, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a very scary creature, um, but it is a good story. It's a, it's a great good. story to tell when you're on an interview and, and, the people that will really listen and that will resonate with are the people that are, were in similar positions. Um, yeah. And not to go on too long, but my boss's boss is very much a self-made person and made his way into working on uh, movies as a producer for like Marvel movies and Iron Man and stuff like that. And so my story resonated extremely well with someone like that. So there are cool. people out there that, that believe that there are paths to success that aren't just a college degree. Cool. All right, so uh, that's all the time we have today. I really want to thank Nolan for seeing, being so generous with his time and oh, sharing his experiences. Um, I want to remind everyone that if you want to learn coding as well, on Tuesday the 24th, we have another Python class if you want to learn uh, Python, a good intro for you. Uh, thank you for attending, and I really hope to see you guys there, and just I really hope you guys enjoy and can get a job that you like. That's really such a huge part of it. Yeah, message me any anytime. Um, there's the outro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, everyone. Take care. Thank you, Nolan. Thank Bye. you, Nolan. That was awesome. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye.